turn to Psalm 141, please. Psalm 141, and let's look at verse 3. As we begin to understand how powerful what we say is, and how it shapes our life, we need to also understand that there are things that we shouldn't be saying out of our mouth, because after you say it long enough, you will believe it. You might start out as saying it as a joke. You know, ha ha ha. You know, I'll get there unless I drop dead first. Ha ha ha. Really? You know, that's funny to begin with. And let me just say this. You know, I don't want to get super spiritual on you. There are some things that you can say funny, and that's cool. Not a problem. Just be careful that you're not saying it so much that it, without your knowledge almost, it has worked its way down into something that becomes what you actually believe. Now, in Psalm 141, verse 3, uh, David is writing and he says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I want you to see a couple of things here. First of all, he says, set a guard over my mouth. He says, God, set a guard over my mouth. You know, this tells us something, that you need God in your life to stop you from saying some of the dumb things that you say, that you think, why did I say such a dumb thing? Okay? I don't know how many times I've done that. And when I said to God, can you please set a guard over my mouth? Because, you know, I don't want to say something. And then, you know, you spend so much time apologizing. I mean, it would have been better if you just shut up for that minute. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. And all the trouble it causes. You think, why did I ever say that? Notice David understood that very well. He says, uh, God, I don't want to waste all my time and your time because I'm repenting. And, you know, you're sitting there going, oh, here we go again. He says, can you set a guard over my mouth? Let me tell you how that works. As soon as you're about to say something, <laughs> okay, the thought will shoot through your mind, you're sure you want to say that. And then you go, hmm. Before we react, think. Amen? You know, the world has this I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself now. The world puts a high premium on people that if anybody ever says anything to them, I mean, they just turn around and slap him down. Especially if it's a bad person. There are times to speak up, don't get me wrong. There are times when, for the sake of justice, we need to say something. But be careful it's not you defending yourself all the time. Generally speaking, if it's you, forget about it. If it's somebody else, that's a cause you can take up. See, we're, we're meant to be fighting for each other, not for ourselves. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because generally speaking, generally speaking, not always, <laughs> okay, but generally speaking, somebody outside of yourself will have a better perspective of what's going on, and we'll be able to deal with it a little bit more balanced. And because it's not the person that got hurt, the person that is receiving the correction will understand this is not coming just from a hurt person. This is coming from somebody that has seen something, has witnessed something, and wants to correct it. Because it was wrong. Are you all with me? Amen? All right. Let's move on. So again, back in Psalm 141 verse 3, David says, not only set a guard over my mouth, but then he goes on to say, keep a watch over the door of my lips. Some days you need to keep that door shut. 
Do you understand? <laughs> okay. I, I, I like the way he says, the door of my lips. It means there's a lot of stuff back there that might want to come out. Don't let them have playtime that day. Keep him in. <laughs> okay? Because that's going to get you in all kind of trouble. But notice again, a door is something that you can open and you can close. Just like a mouth is something you can open and you can close. Turn with me next please to Psalm 39. Now, unlike David, today we are a new creation. We have God living on the inside of us. Amen? And, and we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. God expects more of us. You know, back then they didn't have all of that. So they really needed God to be all over them. Amen? But today we have God inside of us. And you know what? God can prompt you from the inside. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't go there. And in fact, that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. Do you understand? Because that's how you know that you're one of His kids, that you're listening to Him. When He says something, you actually listen. And He will keep you out of trouble. In fact, as the thought begins in your head, this is what is so wonderful about having God living in you. When the thought begins in your head, God will actually stop you at the thought. I don't know how many times the Lord has said to me, don't think that. Because if I think it long enough, I'll start saying it. And as, as I start saying it, those that are sympathetic to my cause, they'll jump on that wagon and we'll be all going there. Alright, in Psalm 39 verse 1, it says, I will guard my ways... Lest I sin with my tongue. He says, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. Watch this, while the wicked are before me. You know, when it's, when it's a bad person, we almost feel it's okay to talk badly about them. Because they're bad! Do you understand? And, and we need to dump on somebody. And we need to say something. You know, because we don't want to carry it around on the inside of us. That's the reason why prayer is so important. What we're doing so much of the time is we are replacing God with people. The Apostle Paul said, in all things we're meant to pray. Pray all the time. Do you understand? He says pray consistently. The reason why you need to be in prayer consistently is because you have an open channel. You have a counselor that you can talk to 24 hours a day. You don't have to wait till you get good reception before you call somebody and tell them all your woes. There's always great reception between you and God as long as you stay hooked up to Him. And so when something goes wrong, I don't know how many times I've started talking to God, I've started an internal dialogue with God, I start pouring my heart at Him. And you can be totally honest. And you can say, yeah, yeah I could have done that a bit better, and maybe I shouldn't have said that, and maybe they were right when they said this. And you go, were they right? <laughs> okay, at least you're open to change. Are you all here? And that's what should be happening. Not take something and then make a mountain out of it. I don't know how many times I've gone from, they better apologize to me, to, geez, maybe I should apologize to them. Let's move on. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs 30 and verse 32. It says, if you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised or plotted evil, put your hand on or over your mouth. It's saying, you know, if you are up to something no good, shut up. And if you can't shut up, stick your hand over your mouth. 
It's very hard to speak with your hand over your mouth. Some days you need somebody else to put their hand over your mouth. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Listen, God wants you to speak words that build people up, not tear them down. Amen? And we need to be careful that we do that. Let's go to Job chapter 6. Job begins to understand that the trouble that he was in was due to something he had actually done. And I mentioned this before, in Job 3.25, he says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And the thing which I was afraid of has come to me. When you greatly fear something, it means you have put a lot of thought into it. You can't greatly fear unless you think a great deal about it. Just like you can't greatly faith, can I just use really bad language but to make a point? Okay, you can't greatly faith unless you think greatly about that. And we're going to see that in the next example. The more you think about something, the greater it becomes on the inside of you. You need to know that. So be careful where your thoughts go and what you meditate on. Meditate is not an Eastern concept. It's a biblical concept. Alright, right from Genesis we know that Isaac was in the field meditating. Meditation is mentioned right at the beginning there. It is not a bad thing. What you're meditating on, that's what determines whether it's good or bad. If you're meditating on negative things, if you're meditating on things that are not good, let me just be very general, okay? then stop. Because one way or the other, it is leading you to destruction. In Joshua's most desperate time, when he was about to go and conquer the very people that all his nation failed to do, years later, God says, this is how you're going to do it. And let me just quote it to you. He says, this book of the law, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall be prosperous, and then you shall have great success. He said, this is how you do it. You meditate, and you don't leave it just for the daytime. You meditate all the time. When you go to sleep, you're meditating... Don't, you know, you can't meditate while you're asleep, <laughs> okay? But when you wake up, that's the first thing that's on your mind. Do you hear what I'm saying? So it is the thought that captivates your mind, captivates your attention. That's what you fill your time with. And guess what? That is what you fill your heart with. And it becomes more and more powerful to where the mountain becomes a molehill. And whatever you thought was impossible, suddenly you can see your way through it. Because you realize something, it is not you doing it, it is God in you doing it. And God is on your side. That was the problem that the Israelites had. They said, we are in our own sight as grasshoppers. Ten leaders had that to say. Two of them said, we are more than able. What was the difference? What was on the inside of them? Hear me. Same situation, same opposition, same everything except what was inside. If you looked on the inside, those ten had a failure mentality. 
They had a, we can't do this mentality. Like anything they did up to them was them. Everything they had done up to that point was God. Did they go and separate the Red Sea? Did they bucket water to the side so fast that it wouldn't come back together? I mean, did they, you know, did they have a big fan blower that pushed the water as they walked through and they switched the fan off and all the just... You know what I'm trying to say? They did none of it. Why is it that we forget that where we got up to was because of God's grace... And then suddenly, the next step we want to take, we ask ourselves the wrong question. Can I do this? Wrong question. The only question you need to ask is, is this God's will? If it is, He'll be there. All I have to do is walk it out and it will be there. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's all you need to know. Is this God's will? Not can I do it? Job 6.24, let's, let's get there. Job says here, because he realized that his fear had manifested. And he realizes where it was coming from. So in Job 6.24, he says this, listen carefully. He says, teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred or done wrong. He began to realize he needs to shut up about some things. It is only as you learn how to control what's coming out of your mouth that you begin to control what is going on in your life. All right, I need to get to Mark chapter 5. Let's go to Mark chapter 5, please. I do not want to end this <laughs> on this note, okay? Mark chapter 5. Now, I've shown you the importance of faithful words. I've spoken to you about the importance of watching what you say. Alright, especially as your words, as you become a person that thinks more deeply. Listen to me carefully. As you think more deeply, then the things that you say have a greater effect. So you have to be very careful then what you say. Because whether you realize it or not, it is having a greater and greater effect on the people around you, not only yourself. You know, it's one thing for a person that uh, uh, is, is very free with the things they say, because they don't believe anything they say. Those people also have great difficulty praying, because they don't believe anything they say. Okay? <laughs> but if you're a person that thinks deeply about things, then be careful what you say. Because your heart is where the power is produced. And if out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, and Jesus said, whatever you believe in your heart, that's going to come to pass. Put those two together, and you end up with whatever it is, good or bad, things will happen. Let me say this to you. You can either bring life to death, listen carefully, or you can bring death to life with your mouth. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus goes up to a fig tree. It has no fruit on it. He turns around and he says, No man eat fruit from here, hereafter, ever. And he takes something living and kills it with his mouth. The next day it's dried up from the roots. Remember, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In another incident, there's Lazarus. He's dead. I mean, he's dead, dead. He's so dead, he stinks. 
The story tells us he stinks. Okay, all right? His own sister says he stinks. Okay? And, he, and into that death, after three days, man, I mean, it's one thing you're dead for a couple of hours, maybe you weren't really dead, but three days, and you're mummified, and they stick a rock in front so there's no air going in? Because you don't want the, you know, the more air that goes in, the more it wrecks the body. You know, you understand what air does? Oh, all right. So, you want to seal the thing off. Ain't nobody going to live for three days in there. That person is dead and he stinks. He, you know, all the telltale signs of death is there. And to that, okay, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And somebody that's dead and bound comes forth. Which means the power of God not only brought that person back alive, but picked him up. Because how can he move? I mean, I can just see Lazarus come alive, and then he goes, Uh oh. I can't breathe. (laughs) Have we thought about this? Can you imagine the things that the power of God had to do? Not only bring him alive, get stuff off of him so he can breathe, and then bring him to the front. Amen. Jesus demonstrates how to take life and how to give life. There are things in your life that are inspired by demons that you need to take the life out of the thing. You need to shut it down. Do you understand? Storms that you need to stand up and say, Peace! Be still! Don't sit there and go, Oh, I hope it gets still. I hope it doesn't do this anymore. I really hope this is my whole life. That's not going to do anything. Neither is just getting up there and yelling, Hear me. It's about the faith that you have in your heart. That is powered by the God that you have in your life. The creator of the universe comes to live in you. Greater is he that is in you. Jesus says all things are possible for that reason. It's not because you are so great. But because what is in you is so great. Amen. Amen. And then when you stand up and when you speak, it's not you speaking, it's God, the Creator, speaking to His creation and saying, shut down. The creation recognizes that. And it will listen. Mark 5.22 It says, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, that's Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. I want you to listen very carefully to this man's confession. I want you to listen carefully to the faith that is seen in what he's saying. Alright? Notice, he didn't say that I hope she lives. I hope that when you lay your hands on her, she'll live. He never mentioned hope. He said, you come, you lay your hands on her, she will live. Now right now his daughter is still alive. And so it says in verse 24, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Which means they were all pressed all around him. Okay? Alright. Now... A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. That's usually the case in the medical industry. You suffer many things from many physicians. And usually what's the result? Nothing happened. Except you depleted all your funds. Hello. Okay, it's all there, man. And she spent all that she had and was no better and grew worse. That's not for everybody. But you know, some days you just feel that way. 
Especially some of the more serious medical conditions. Have you noticed? It's like $5,000 just to sit on the bed? I'll get my own bed. Hello. You know what I'm trying to say? You know, it just, it just gets ridiculous. But I want you to notice now, she tried the world's way. And then she decided, you know what? This isn't working. I need something else. And I will guarantee you, listen to me carefully. Are you all awake? Please be awake now. This is so important you get this. I will guarantee you, every physician there said, Oh, do you, you want to believe and get healed? What a lot of bug. What, what's wrong with you? Are you mentally ill? It's okay to come to them and get no better. In fact, get worse. And give them all your money. But you better not go somewhere dumb and get healed. Listen to me. I don't care what degrees that they have behind their name. They're still catching up to what God created. They still have no idea about how things work. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so many people dying right now. And what they know today, they laugh. They, this is what's so funny. They would laugh at the advice that their predecessors gave to that same person. If they had them in their office today. And you know what? What they believe today as being the truth and being so factual and that's how it is. About 20 years from now, somebody else will be laughing at them. I'm just telling you man. You know, they are so convinced about what they know. And it's only for right now. But you know what? That's what they have thought about. That's what they have done in medical school. That's what they have learned and they know no other way. Interesting, isn't it? This woman decided to turn her attention from what they said was possible and impossible and turn her attention to what God says is possible and impossible. And in the face of impossibility, in the face of there is nothing that can be done for you, there is no way out of this, she decides to believe something else. She makes that decision. And notice what she does. It says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, and the word means continually, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Not I might be. She said, I shall be made well. If I can just get to his clothes. Not even to him. Because she's not meant to touch anybody because she's unclean. So the best she can do is touch his clothes. Do you hear what I'm saying? Can you imagine the faith that she would have had to have to pull power out of him through his clothes into her? Without him knowing about it? He didn't have anything to do with this. Because what we're going to see next week... Yeah, we're finished today. <laughs> what we're going to see next week is he's going to say, Who touched my clothes? You know what's, in, what's extraordinary about that? Jesus didn't say, Who touched me? Everybody was touching him. Everybody was throwing against him. He realized that the power didn't go through his hands or his flesh. It went through his clothes. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. He said, Who touched my clothes? Like Jesus. Sheesh. Big deal somebody touch your clothes. What's up, man? You got like a problem with that? <laughs> Don't touch my clothes. No, okay? It's not like that. Right? It's incredible. He sensed power going out of him through his clothes. 
And this woman is completely healed without him interacting and doing anything with her. Isn't that incredible? We're going to pick up on what that means next week. And I want to give you some understanding about how you can do that with God. How you can draw in what you need. Amen? And you know what? Jesus wasn't upset. He was really happy with her. He says, daughter. He calls her daughter. He says, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Amen? Every time sick people came to Jesus and said, will you heal me? He always said, I will. They never asked, can you heal me? They always asked, will you heal me? The question has always been, will God heal? Jesus answered every single time in the affirmative. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Whenever you go to God for healing, he always says yes. Sometimes it's with a sin no more, lest a greater thing come upon you, because I know what you did to get to this place, but I'm not going to judge you and say, no, I'm not going to heal you, because I know what a naughty person you've been. He'll never say that. He'll just say, I know what you did. Yes, your healing is, is available. Here it is. Don't do that again. Okay? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today for your word.